This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com. We are in Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. If you could stand with us, we'll, we'll do some reading. All right, so I'll, I'll, I'll read through the text. And it goes like this. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will Enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with them stood speechless, hearing the voice but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And for three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple at Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen a vision of a man named Ananias come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain sight. But Ananias answered, Lord. I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here, your saints in Jerusalem, here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for me, for my name's sake. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized and taking food, he was strengthened. This is the reading of the word. You may be seated. Now, so as, we, as me and Aaron were sitting down and we're prepping for, for Easter Sunday, so one of the conversations came up because if, if, if you're new with us and you're not normally here, we're trekking through the book of Acts, right? And, and when we say we're trekking through the book of Acts, we're walking slowly through it because we want to get in. So for us, it's like, man, we're going to be in Acts for like a year. 
right? To make sure that we get into the nitty-gritty, all the, the things that people skip over. We want to dive in. So we were like, well, should we just, like, take a break from Acts for the sake of Easter and do, like, an Easter message, right? And we, we thought about it, but we started praying, and we're looking at this particular section of scripture and we're, and we're seeing something that the Lord is doing. Such a way, even though we planned this thing out way before ahead of time and, and, and we're continuing to preach through and one of the things that we want to make sure that people continuously see as a theme in the book of Acts is the ministry of the resurrected Christ through the church. We want to make sure people are seeing that. Everything you see happening inside the church with the people of God has everything to do with his spirit moving like Christ is still alive and he's work, working through his church. And we like, well, we don't want to depart from that. And we get to this really beautiful, unique point in scripture where it embodies what the entire book of Acts is about and also what Easter is about. Yes. So we're like, now nah, we're going to stay right in the book of Acts because we think yeah. this is what God wants us, want us to do. You walk through here and you, you, you see right here is the first appearance of the resurrected Christ after his ascension, right? Uh-huh. And he comes here and he comes and... and and he does two things. Now, one of those things, he comes and, and he personally recruits Saul. He's like, what up, Saul? What, what's cracking, right? And stuff. And that's one of the things he does. And, and, and we're not going to be able to get into all the details. We'll, we'll catch up later next, next, next Sunday. But he, he recruits Saul personally. And the other thing that he does, is, which is right in line with, with Resurrection Sunday, is he identifies himself as one with the church, yep. right? Yep. He says, why are you persecuting me, right? And the people he's been persecuting has been the church. And he says, you persecuting them is persecuting me. Thus saying him and the church are one. Yeah. Now, that's a big deal. Yeah. So when I say the church, I'm talking about those that believed, right? Not just those that were like, yo, that's dope, that's cool. Not just those that was fans, but that really believed, right? When I say the church, I'm saying those that were indwelt by the very spirit of God and that was leading them on mission, leading them to do the things that God has called them to do. When I say the church, I'm talking about those who became the body of the resurrected Christ so that Christ will continue to do the thing that he was doing through the church. This is what's going on here. And how beautiful it is that on on this day that we we celebrate the, the resurrected Jesus at the same point in our journey through Acts that Jesus personally reveals himself to Paul to make clear that the very existence yes. of the church is proof of the resurrected come Jesus. On, come on. Like, who are you persecuting? Yes. Jesus, like, if there's no resurrection, there's no church. Right. Right, right? right. So when we sit here today, 2017, and you look at the church, the church is proof of the resurrected Jesus. Amen. Amen. 
So this is important to Resurrection, yes. Resurrection Sunday. And as you've seen Acts unfold, what you've seen take place is that the gospel is being expanded to all nations. Acts 1.8 says that the Spirit of God will come upon them and they will be receive boldness to be witnesses in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. As the Spirit falls in Acts 2, all nations, tribes, tongues, all the outsiders are being brought in. You're seeing people being healed. So those who are sick are coming into the kingdom. Those who are, who, those who are poor are the ones that are being, are being brought in and being made rich in Christ. You're seeing thousands of people come to know Christ. And even last week we talked and zoomed in on this Ethiopian eunuch who, who is just by race, he's on the outside, right? By the mutilation of his own body, he's on the outside and been, and been made unholy. And so he's been made on the outside. But through the work of Christ, he has been brought in. Right? So the outsider, the poor, the outcast has been brought in. And oftentimes when we think of the gospel, we think of this gospel that is so big and so vast that it could bring all of those who are on the outside in. But let me, let me just say it this way. The gospel is even bigger than that. It's even bigger than that. Because what you see happening here in Paul's conversion is not the outsider being brought in, but the ultimate insider, the one who has obeyed all of the laws, the one who has done all of the good things, the one that has, has followed all of the commands, and the one who is so passionate about his faith that he's willing to do whatever he can to protect it, even so much so that he is the main persecutor of those who are a part of the way. He is the one who was there and, 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 and condoned the killing of Stephen. He is the one who is on an all-out attack to kill all of the church, to go against them. And the reality of this is, is so often when we look at the gospel, we see the poor, the marginalized, the sick, those who are on the outside being brought in, and that is beautiful because that's what the gospel does but in our own minds, we have categories of those who cannot be saved. And here's the reality of that. Even Jesus himself says that it's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about that. Why? Because the poor get to be made rich, but the rich have to be made poor. It's harder for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. It's harder for those who are dependent upon themselves to enter the kingdom of God. It's harder for those who are strong. It's easier for those who are weak, if you will, or there is this elevation that's going to be talked about. But the reality is this gospel and this text is so big that even the ultimate prideful insider who's persecuting the church is confronted by the resurrected Jesus and brought into the kingdom. Listen. All of us rejoice that the outsiders have been brought in, but it's hard for us to understand that the gospel's even big enough, ex-wife, for your ex-husband. Church, the gospel is so big that it would comfort and heal the one who was abused. But it's even big enough to bring to repentance the abuser. Yeah. 
The gospel is so big and so powerful that not only could it take the least and bring them to a position, but it can take those who have everything and bring them to a place of seeing all that they have. The gospel is big enough for the minority who's being abused and persecuted and racially profiled, and it's big enough for the cop who's doing it. The gospel is big enough for America, and it's big enough for ISIS. The gospel's bigger than you think. We have this... This view of the gospel that is that is so small. We have this 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 finite view of the gospel that's that's shaded by by our experiences, shaded by our emotions, and so we have this this really finite or earthly view of the gospel. But the gospel is so much bigger. It's this infinite thing, this this thing that's that's much bigger than our experiences. Like every single thing that we've experienced has happened within the timeline of the gospel. Like the gospel isn't in your timeline. Your timeline is in the timeline of the gospel. This is the story of God and what God has been doing, and he's been connected to every single thing. So when we, we see the gospel too small, we start having this, this skewed view of the gospel, and we start having this, this tendency to, to see how the gospel is, is good news to, to the one that we identify with, but, become, but we become disturbingly silent to the one that we are opposed to. Regarding how the gospel is good news to them too. It becomes super difficult there. I become silent right there. We become silent at the same gospel that gives hope to that one that is oppressed. That gives hope to that one that is is struggling. It's the same gospel that gives hope and freedom to the oppressor. The same gospel that, 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 that speaks life to the person that's, that's pro-life. The same gospel that reaches the person that's pro-choice. Exact same gospel. Yes. The same gospel that, that, that comes for the, the conservatives, come for the person on the left. You're missing it if you don't see these things. You start looking at the gospel so small, and then since you're looking at the gospel too small, you start putting the gospel into how you think it should work and save people. Uh-huh. How, how, how you think people should come in. How you think people should enter. You start giving the gospel your rules, but the reality of it is the gospel sets its own rules. Uh-huh. He's God. Like, my ways are not your ways. I do what I want. Uh-huh. Man. The gospel comes and he just sets this line, right? He draws this line, and it's not a line that says, okay, I, I want to make everything equal. It's a, it's a line where he is the thing that evens everything Come on. out. Come on. That's a, there's a difference there, yes. right? Where he is the thing that evens everything out. Like he draws this line, the gospel flattens everything. And then for some people, they find themselves under that line. For some people, they find themselves over that line. 
And the way how the gospel works inside, inside that is that for that person that finds himself under that line, finds himself outcast, finds himself like broken, the gospel may come to you and what you need is comfort. And the gospel becomes that thing that that's gives hope and is comforting to you. And, and, and then for the other person, the gospel may be that, that, that thing that comes and confronts you. That's what happens with Paul. And we got to understand it's the exact same gospel and the exact same love and the exact same end game that God is employing when he says, man, for you, I brought comfort. For you, I brought confrontation. Exact same gospel that's carrying the exact same message for, for, for that person that, that, that feels so low and so outcast that the gospel has to be the thing to lift you up. Uh-huh. Then for that person, like, man, I got it all together and I'm up here and like the gospel is right here. The gospel is that thing that comes and it humbles you. But even in that, that time when, when you thought you, you got it all together, you have no idea how bound up you really are, and it humbles you, and in the humbling of you, you find so much freedom. Mm. And God comes through, like he got Kendrick Lamar in his headphones. He like, <laughs> sit down, be humble. Yeah. But he's doing a good thing right there. Man, that's the gospel. This is the gospel. This is what you see happening with the eunuch and then what you see happening with Paul. This exact same thing. See, the problem with what we try to do with the gospel is we package it and make it something that we don't need the spirit to declare. Four laws, seven steps, (laughs) 12 things I want to tell you. Each person, everybody needs to hear it. And the reality is, last week, the Ethiopian eunuch needed to read Isaiah 53 and hear that he has broken down every barrier and that nothing is hindering him from entering into the kingdom. This week, Paul needs to hear, why are you persecuting me? Mm. You're my enemy. Mm. You're not inside. You're far outside. Everything in you has brought you that outside. He needed to be blinded, shut up, and thrown into a dark room and see that all of his strength is failing and all of his words and all of his things that he's done. It wasn't something he was seeking. It wasn't something he was after. It wasn't even anything he was interested in. And here's the reason why. Because he was rich and had everything. He was strong and could do it on his own. He did everything that he wanted to do, how he wanted to do it. He set his own rules, lived his own life. And here's the thing. Many of us hear testimonies of, of people who've come in who've been drug addicts and, and far off and on the outside and broken, and we rejoice in those as we should. Yeah, yeah. But what we do downplay is the deception of a testimony like mine. Mm. Because when you look in Scripture, the people that are drastically, lovingly saved are those people who are far off, broken, in the gutters and the ones that don't repent so often in scripture are the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the self-righteous, the religious. They're the ones who are left outside of the kingdom. And when you see one man who is in that place and he is brought to his knees in repentance, we often look at a conversion like Paul's and go, man, that was a lot like mine. God showed himself to me and brought me in. But the reality is, He was living in such deception, he didn't want nothing to do with God. He was persecuting him. He was living in such pride and arrogance, he was fine. I lived my life raised in the church. 
parents, incredible parents, pastoring for so many years, still living overseas, pastoring in Kuwait, incredible family, brothers that are a part of the kingdom of God in this church. I was raised in that, but when I heard the gospel, what I heard was if I followed these rules, I could get what I really wanted, which was blessings. I wanted, I wanted popularity. I wanted to be known. I wanted everybody to like me, and I wanted money. I wanted all of these things that the world had to offer, and I thought the way that I can get them is by following God's rules, because then he'll have to bless me. So I lived my life not smoking, not cussing, not drinking, not even hanging out with people who did, because I didn't want them demons jumping off on me right? I was running Bible studies at the age of 13. I ran the Bible clubs in my schools, was preaching at 14 in places. I was constantly put in places where I was in the church and serving in the church and preaching from a very, very young age. Do you want to know what studies say about kids who are raised in church? Because we always say, man, I just want my kid to be raised in church. Studies show that when they leave the church and grow up, it's less likely for them to come back to the kingdom than it is for those who are raised on the outside. Because it's far more deceptive, far more comforting. And I went in pastored a church, started a church at 24 years old, had a crowd, had people, and I constantly was trying and striving, following the law, preaching, obeying God, but he wasn't doing what I wanted him to do. And he wasn't doing it the way I wanted him to do it, and he wasn't giving me what I wanted. So what ended up happening, I found myself years into it realizing People think I have everything I want and everything I want, but I don't. I, I want this. I want, I'm, I'm farther from God. I started questioning whether God was even real. I started questioning the reality, and here I am preaching every Sunday, going home, laying in, God, I don't even know if you're alive. I'm not, I don't feel close to you. This is not real, and I'm constantly struggling with it. And then I just said to my wife, I'm done. We're going to quit. I'm going to take a couple days. I'm going to go away. And I'm just going to try and pray and see if God will speak to me. And, 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 and I don't know what I'm going to do. And I went to a gospel encounter, actually, a couple of days up in Sierra Vista. And I was there, and I heard, I heard, not, not that I'd never heard it before, but I heard it. I don't know if you know the difference between hearing something and hearing something. I saw what Christ did on the cross, and I broke down in tears. I saw him being beaten and beaten and bruised and, and persecuted, and I realized every good work I had done, every self-righteous thing that I had been a part of, every way in which I had strived to be my own person and get what I wanted and control things and work, every self-righteous effort, everything was there. I heard Jesus say, this is what's putting me on the cross. You are persecuting me. You're the one doing this. And I heard this, everything you've ever done, every good work you've ever had, everything you've ever done, it's worthless. It's worth, you want to hear the best news I've ever heard in my life? I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Why? Because all of my life I've been told by everybody, you're everything. You can do it in your own strength. You can work for it. You can make it happen. Just try hard. Just work harder. Put your own effort. You're going to make yourself into something. Every prophecy, every laying on of hands, everybody fed my own desires to tell me, but you want to hear the best news I ever heard? You're persecuting me. You're nothing. And I found myself broken at the foot of the cross, and Christ became freedom. And the best news was that I was nothing and that for the first time I heard that he was my everything and that it was by grace that I had been saved. 
not of myself, lest I should boast. Mm. Christ broke me so mm. that I could find freedom. Man, that's, see, that, that's crazy because I hear this story and I'm so encouraged by it. But my story is from the exact opposite side of the spectrum. Exact opposite. Like, I grew up in, in the hood, literally, in New York City, and, and, and this dude is not one of the people that I would have hung out with. No. Not all. <laughs> so serious. Like, if we hung around me or my squad, he would just. He would I have don't think contact. they could tell. We look alike. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. No. Khaki pants on. If he was hanging out with us, <laughs> it would have been an ulterior motive on our part, right? And stuff. And, um, <laughs> and, and it's crazy because that's where, where we come from. Like, like in my household, we didn't grow up discussing the gospel. We didn't have those, those Jesus discussions. It's like I could count on one hand how many times we was actually inside of a church. Uh, like, like, my mother was a hard-working immigrant, and yet still we was poor. Like, I had to steal her food stamps and stuff. You know, we got on, go out in the hood, like, y'all making it rain with paper food. You know, and, and thinking it was, like, all good, right? And stuff. You know, my dad, he didn't live in the country because he got deported and stuff. You know, so I'm, I'm Jamaican by nationality and stuff. Um, um, and, and, and there wasn't these times, like my mother, she was illiterate, so we didn't have these, these moments where it was like, hey, let me help you with your schoolwork. And, then, and, then, and, and don't even talk about school. Like going to school, like literally was like, like walking back and forth through a war zone. Like I literally had to map out different routes I would take home depending on who I had beef with that week and yes. stuff. You know what I'm saying? And that's like the real life story that I dealt with on a regular Every day basis. I was a young black man that, that was looking for belonging, looking for where's, where do I find my identity at? Where do I belong at? Where do I fit in at? And, and, and as looking at that, one of the places that I, I didn't believe I, I fit into was the church. I didn't feel I fit in over there. There was, there, was, there was too much dirt. There was too much hurt. There was too much pain. And if Christ was real, it, it, it couldn't be. I didn't fit into the church. Yeah, yeah. As far as I was concerned, I was afar off. But the same God that could find him was the same God that found me and said, said, and said you belong to me and you will find your belonging inside of me. The exact same God that would rescue him was the exact same God that rescued me that wasn't thinking nothing about Christ. Couldn't stand the idea of it. I found my hope and belonging in, in the hood and street and black nationalist groups and things like that. And God came, rescued, and gave life. But I found myself as an outsider, the outsider of outsiders. Like, for me, there wasn't, there wasn't even no other thing. It was like just different levels of being on the outside. And how do I be at the top level of being on the outside still? It wasn't even no examination or hopeful of being something other than that. Yeah. But Christ showed this brand new thing, brand new thing inside of him. Listen, like today we're not, we're not going to do communion as we normally do. Today we're going to get ready. We're going to close things out with prayer, right? And some of you inside here, you're going to identify with different aspects of this story. Some of you inside here, you're that person that you, you, you've always felt like the outsider. Even if you was going to church, you still felt like you was the outsider, that, that you didn't connect. 
the weight of, of your sins or the weight of the sins of others against you weighed on you like an anchor holding you down. You think about, where do I belong at? And you think, man, but I'm just too dirty. There's just too, if you only knew my history. How I've hurt others and others have been hurt by me. And, and, and you, you feel rejected and overlooked the same way that I felt. And you've gotten used to living this outsider life. You're sort of like a nomad now. when you go around from place to place, but you don't belong nowhere inside of your heart. But God is like, you belong to me. And you'll find your belonging inside of me. You'll find your hope inside of me. So for me, that was my story. But the same God that, that came for me, the same God that comes to you today on Resurrection Sunday. Yeah. Some of you need to hear, just like the Ethiopian eunuch, there's nothing hindering you from entering. Everything's been removed. And others of you in this room are like me. You are constantly trying to find ways to fix yourself. Even the fact that you're here today is another attempt to play the game. It's Easter. Every good Christian goes to church. Except you're not a Christian. You don't know Christ. You're actually doing everything in your own power to depend upon your own strength and everything you are doing is for yourself. Everything you're doing is depending upon your own strength rather than the strength of Christ. Everything you're doing is depending on your own riches rather than emptying yourself for you today. The Spirit needs to move so deeply in your heart that you would joyfully hear. All things are possible. The disciples said, well, then how can a rich man enter the kingdom of God? How can he do it? If it's easier for a camel to go through an eye and a needle, how could he do it? How could that camel get that small to enter through to come into the kingdom? And Jesus says, well, with God, all things are possible. What you need to hear today is that the same God that lifts up is the same God who's going to destroy your pride, who's going to break you down, who's going to shrink you so that you see that all you need is Him. You see, the gospel is for you. Oh, yes, maybe you need to sell it all, lay it all down, Hear that you're nothing. Stop striving and working and trust and depend. Maybe you've got to learn what it's like to be a child and humble yourself. Maybe you've been depending on your own strength and you've been depending on your own intellect. You've been depending on your riches. You've been depending on yourself. But here's what freedom sounds like to you. Become a child. Trust. Depend. Become blind so that you can now see fully that scales would come off your eyes. Today, we're going to do a couple of things, and here's what I'm going to ask. 
We want to pray for those who want prayer. But we also don't want other people just sitting there watching other people getting prayed for like, man, those people really need Jesus. Because if we're all honest in this room, we need Jesus. So if we could all stand together, we're going to sing this last song on Friday, a thief, on Sunday, a king. And what we're going to do is worship the Jesus who has saved us. How many of you have been so gloriously saved by the wonderful work of Jesus Christ? And as we sing this song together, I want you to worship and adore the resurrected Savior. But if you're in this room and you feel like you're the insider, but you're realizing I'm actually the outsider, I'm so far out that I'm persecuting him, and you want prayer today, there's come and receive prayer. Or maybe you think you're so far off and you've done so much that you cannot come into his kingdom and you need to hear that the gospel is bringing you in and elevating you and that you can be brought in. There's people over here to pray. We're going to worship together and sing this song and then the altars are open and you can come and receive prayer if you want. All those who are willing, let's sing together and let's pray. This podcast was recorded at Redemption Alhambra Village in Phoenix, Arizona. For more information about Redemption Alhambra Village, visit redemptionaz.com.